This is Jean Nathan. It's Crosstown Conversations for this Friday. And um, there's a lot going on this weekend I want you to know about. And coming up soon too for Halloween. So um, we're gonna bring music and the green of our city, which we lost a lot of because of the storms back. Uh, we're gonna start by hearing from Sig Greenbaum, who's gonna talk to us about a great new program called um, Nola Nola. Some of you may have heard about it by now. And uh, this is going to bring music back into our clubs at a time when we lost our festival. Um, here's Sig Greenbaum. Awesome. I am so excited to talk to you because I don't know if you had a chance to look at my website to know what I do, but I run it all. You did? Or you didn't? I did. I did. But I and I'm excited to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm a I'm a believer, as as you can see, and um, uh, I I just think uh, this is a game changer that the tourism commission, basically New Orleans and Company, but it's the tourism commission, um, actually put direct skin in the game. Yeah, in helping musicians and um, our club venues. Um, it's the first time. Yeah, um, We did have, I'm sure, I don't know if you know the history, but you, you have been working here over the years, even though you've been in and out. And yeah. you know that um, it's really been the, the New Orleans Tourism Marketing Corporation that was involved more with cultural uh, things. And, and um, so, so this is important because there is no New Orleans Tourism Marketing Corporation anymore. There is a city foundation now, and we'll see how that all works. But in the meantime, um, I think that I feel like there's finally some movement in the business community and in the tourism community to understand how important it is to um, really be directly involved with our um, creative producers, our creative artists. And um, I, I don't really know how this all came about, but I, I, I'm familiar <laughs> with getting things done fast. We, my husband and I were involved in, in founding the Contemporary Arts Center. We went from a show that sparked it in June to opening the building at the K&B building that we're, we're, we're in yeah. now in um, October. So June to October. So uh, that's opening a whole damn institution. So um, amazing. it's amazing when you can do things fast. And I, I thank you for that. So give me, um, first of all, let's just tell people what it is again, um, NOLA by NOLA. And um, uh, let's just, you go ahead and des describe the program. And then we're going to sure. talk about um, how it came about and what you hope it'll be. And then we'll talk about the schedule for this weekend. It's coming. Weekend. Well, I, I will start by saying thank you so much for having me. Your enthusiasm has is giving me chills. So I appreciate it. And I, there was a lot of divine intervention involved, but I'll go back to something you said about how long things take to make them and if, how quickly these things has sometime happened, like your CAC story and, and Nola by Nola. Um, we were joking in the last couple of days, and I think it was uh, myself, Paul Peck, who is one of the you know partners, founders in this thing, who has a company called Fandium. He's done a lot of local work for Preservation Hall and Tipitina's. Um, we were joking, I think Mike Martinovich was in this conversation from Press Hall. Had we had time, had we had a year, we would never have been able to get this done. We would have screwed it up so badly because we would have all had way too much time to think about it and evolve it. And we uh, we didn't, and it, it wasn't planned. Um, it really was a direct response to what happened to the festival season for this fall. Yeah. And I um, I used to produce the voodoo music experience for many years. Right. So I have a very 
very soft spot for the fall festival season. And when it was going to be Jazz Fest, French Quarter Fest, Buku, Voodoo, Fried Chicken Festival. I mean, it was the greatest month of music ever anywhere, hands down, story over. Take that, Austin, you know. Um, And then I think we were all kind of taken back on that Sunday when Jazz Fest canceled like at 4 p.m. You know, we they, they had the Rolling Stones and things were moving and they were selling tickets and people were excited. Um, I was leaving that following Tuesday morning to go to Chicago because I was working on to produce a music festival there that just happened last weekend. I had a 6 a.m. flight out of our airport and I was reading an article on NOLA.com while choking down a breakfast. And it was about the impact of the Jazz Fest cancellation. And there were a lot of mentions of work that like Liuzas was putting into their their you know painting and stuff like that and venues and what they were how much they were depending on having this time and this this energy and tourist. And I just you know I just started thinking about the fact that as somebody who cares and loves New Orleans and has a lot of friends still in the music industry or run or own venues. There had to be something we could do. And my first thing I started thinking about was we need New Orleanians to help New Orleanians. We need to have it so people who love New Orleans, who have reservations, stay on those reservations and don't cancel them. So if you have New Orleans in your heart, you'll help New Orleans. And uh, my go-to instinct when I'm trying to create something, even if it's just me creating it for my own, just so I can check it off that I did it, I uh, log on to GoDaddy.com. And I start playing with URL ideas. And I know it's crazy. I own some really wow, embarrassing. Like, I don't think I've ever heard that before. <laughs> I own some crazy URLs that I think of at three in the morning and I send them to people for gifts or whatever it is. Um, and I started playing with it. I started thinking about this idea of NOLA helping NOLA and music and what that looks like. And I started kind of zoning in on, you know, there's South by Southwest, there's North by Northwest. Um, Oh, I didn't know there was a North by Northwest. I, I was wondering if there were any other buys. Yeah. Yeah, there. It, it's. I don't even think it's around anymore. Um, but it was a thing that happened at one point in time, and it just kind of came to me as I typed it in. Uh, it it was available. Nola X Nola for Nola by Nola. So I bought the URL as I boarded the plane, and um, on the plane I jotted a lot of notes and figured out what I who I'd want to talk to and what I'd want to do. Got off the plane. I texted um, Howie at the Howling Wolf at the Tank at Tipitina's, and I asked them, "Don't throw them out." What they were planning on doing with their jazz fest shows? Are they keeping them or getting rid of them? And both were pretty adamant that they were going to try to go forward. Mm-hmm. Howie and I then later spoke when I got to where I was going in Chicago, and I just said, "Listen, I got an idea." If there's conversation going on, I'd like to be part of it. And next thing I knew, Paul Peck and Mike Martinovich from Preservation Hall were calling me, telling me, Benji, Benji heard I had an idea. They invited me on a call with a bunch of venues, and I pitched it. And on Wednesday, uh, I pitched the idea. On Friday, we had S- Stephen Perry and Mark Romig from New Orleans & Company, who I've worked with for many, many years and have a longstanding relationship with. Um, and it was interesting because at first it was like, not sure. And then when I re-explained it, 
you saw a light bulb go off in Stephen Perry's eyes. Everybody <laughs> was on that call saw it. it was it was a tidal wave light bulb. It was like watch out, <laughs> tsunami coming. Here it goes. And Stephen Perry went fully into Stephen Perry mode. And the next day, he called me and said, "Sig, I'm gonna I'm gonna put money against this. We're gonna change what we do. This is the future of New Orleans tourism." from the venue level, from the streets, bubbling up, we're gonna get behind musicians and venues in New Orleans. And uh, lo and behold, he absolutely kept to that promise and here we are. Well, you you um, you created the crevasse. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you're a visionary, you're a thinker. Tell me how you see this expanding. What are the other URLs? Uh, there's, there's lots of them, some I can't say on the radio. Um, the uh, first of all, this is an annual event. We're already working on 2022. We are actively working on 2022. It is going to happen, um, and it's incredibly exciting. We, you know, we went from ideation to teasing this in 17 days. And when I say teasing, putting the name out, the logo out, and we did a social media tease. We wanted to make sure that we didn't go announce it and not have it fully baked for this year. So we needed another week to 10 days. And of course, shortly thereafter, Ida started zooming around and um, we oh, had so to- Actually, you started this before Ida. We start, this was a pre-Ida idea. It was oh, literally God. the Tuesday after the Jazz Fest cancellation, oh, pre-Ida. Yeah. And our plan that. was to do this tease campaign and a week to two weeks later, announce in full the plan and press release and the whole thing. Wow. As uh, Ida started becoming more and more realistic. We pushed to get it announced and we, we announced it on that Friday before Ida. And we knew we had a short window and it was gonna be you know taken over by the Ida media very quickly and, and it, as it should have been. Uh, we had a call the Wednesday after Ida, myself, Stephen Perry, Jeremy Coleman, Cooker rather, Mark Romig from you know all those guys from New Orleans and Company. Uh, Again, Mike Martinovich and, and Paul Peck, uh, and we all agreed immediately. This is even more important in a post-Ida world than it was just about, you know, post-Jazz Fest cancellation world or festival October mm -hmm. cancellation. Mm -hmm. And we uh, we leaned into it. We knew we had to give it a the Ida t moment to breathe um, and make sure that people, we really could market it and not be insensitive. And we got to a kind of that point where it felt right. Uh, but at the same time, we started talking about, all right, there's this year and we'll do everything we can to get this year to happen. And then there's next year. And we are already actively planning next year. And the reality is we're thinking five to 10 years. And the growth of this will be from, there will be, you know, what, what Jeremy Cooker and his team developed, Mark Romick's team on the marketing side, develop the website. If you go to nolaxnola.com or neworleans.com, there's a there's a portal there of every show that's happening uh, with a little description. You can you can search by venue, you can search by date, you can search by neighborhood. So if you come to New Orleans, and you're staying in the Bywater and you just want to know what's happening in the Bywater, you can search by that neighborhood, you can search by genre. And then um, you can click on the, on, the, on a show and you can buy a ticket. That ticket purchase is through the music venue. Uh, neither neworleans.com or NOLA by NOLA take any money. We're not, there's no fee taking place. There's no transaction. It's between you and the venue. Our goal is that 
instead of having to go to separate venues to buy, ultimately the booking engine would let you plan your entire vacation. If you were coming into town or you're a local and you said, look, I want to go to seven shows, either shows, click, click, click. You, you have one checkout and the money gets dispersed to the, the proper venues. That we could not do in 17 days. That some some things are, are big boy to things, you know, that you got to do um, uh, with professionals and, you know, people with a lot of time, not a matter of, you know, just a matter of time and energy. And we didn't have that time to do that. So we're going to we're going to work on that. And that's going to be a, an important part of this. We're going to work on ways that uh, people would be able to buy a, a multi venue pass. We, we couldn't do a VIP or anything this year, but we'll do that. We see whether it's you know, we'll dip our toes into additional programming, whether that's some form of conference, and maybe that's one or two days the first year, music business, music industry, uh, some curated content for people to come and be exposed to music and venues. Hopefully that's music and venues and dining experience, really give people a cultural, uh, you know, a, a wider cultural experience when they think of music and, and venues in New Orleans, because it does go back to food, our, sh our chefs, our gig economy, hotels, hospitality. We have so much to offer. So as we go forward and, and, and art galleries, you know, there's so much that we can do with the people that we have in this town. And there's really the sky is the limit. It's just going to be a matter of us. Um, you know, I, I use the word crescendo a lot. And everything to me is a crescendo. You start here. I, I use the word charisma a lot. Well, charisma is a great word. Related, yeah. You know, uh, but crescendo, you start, you start here, and it just keeps on building and building to a moment. And if we do this right, there's never an end to that crescendo. You know, it just keeps on building and building. And I, I really do think we've got something that is uniquely New Orleans, um, and can only get bigger and better. And I think people. I know people are going to travel from around the world. We were talking to tourism um, councils in the UK uh, earlier this week, and we're doing a bunch of radio with them next week to talk about 2022 and what the future is for NOLA by NOLA. That's amazing. It's really uh, it's, it's really important. I mean, it was important to begin with just, uh, again, literally getting um, the commission directly involved and not just you know, heads on beds, but um, uh, the expansion uh, opp opportunities are um, endless. And uh, we're gonna wanna talk to you about some of the things that we're doing that um, would mesh very beautifully with what you're Fantastic. talking about. Um, so let's talk about what's gonna happen um, this weekend. This, share, uh, this show um, is airing on Friday at, at noon. Okay. Uh, so uh, let's let's take it forward from noon through Sunday and highlight a couple of the things that are happening. I know you don't want to favor anybody, but they, they can always go on. Uh, literally, I, I always um, say the easiest thing to do is is the easiest, which is um, Nola by Nola. Click, and it's going to get you there, right? Yeah, for sure. And I I do have some shows. I I'm more than happy to highlight a few shows because it's an opportunity to highlight venues and and I um if you're I'm very uh. Uh, diplom uh, what's the right word? Um, uh, well, I'm doing a good job, I think, of sharing the love from big venues to small venues. So uh, the more that we do of that, that's great. So um, I hope this is all being edited, what we're talking about right now. Um, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll let me bring up a list that I can look at that will help me do exactly that. 
Is okay. that the case? This is editing. Make a little, uh, well, I don't do that much editing, but I'm making a note that that uh, for nine fifty five, um, in 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 uh, uh, that we'll uh, edit a little bit. Yeah. Great. Give me one it, second. It anything that compromised anything that you're doing, so I'm not going to worry that hard about it. All right. Um, so is it airing on Friday? Friday at noon. Great. So uh, as far as shows happening. You know, this weekend it is, you talk about the crescendo effect. This is the crescendo effect. We're leading into what would have been second weekend of Jazz Fest. And uh, we have some amazing shows across the city that really uh, engulf uh, both different size venues and uh, different experiences inside, outside, and, um, and different types of bands. For example, uh, you know, um, Honey Island Swamp Band is at the Maple Leaf tonight. Um, you've got uh, bon, uh, uh, Bonorama at the Hall and Wolf. You have an outside show. When you say tonight, oh. you mean Friday night? Whoops, I just correct. Lost you. Oh, okay, go ahead. Oh. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, for uh, for tonight, Friday night, uh, Bonorama. Uh, you also have uh, Sweet Crude outside of the Broadside, which. The Broadside has been an amazing partner and they've had a great run uh, talking about things that came out of the pandemic that are awesome. Absolutely. They're going to be around forever. One of the know? best examples, right. I don't know if they ever had planned to have an outdoor venue, but now they are, you know, they're the fabric of New Orleans. As far as the uh, remainder of the weekend, um, you know, Preservation Hall has a lot of programming throughout the weekend, including uh, Shake 'em Up Jazz Band, which starts tomorrow at 1 p.m. They have all-day programming tomorrow. The Broadside, again, has the Iguanas. Uh, Tipitina's has Galactic, which will be amazing with Jelly. That'll be an insanely awesome show. Uh, Carnival has programming. The Revivalists are the Fillmore. Snug Harbor has Hurl and Riley. And I will tell you, in terms of of venues that have been super active in this, Snug Harbor has been on the forefront of embracing NOLA by NOLA. They're, they're super active on social media. They've done incredible programming. And I, I absolutely love that because DBA has also been very involved and all the clubs on Frenchman Street. And it's such a great energy coming from them and them being a leader in it. And then to wrap things up on Sunday, uh, the Hot 8 Brass Band is at, uh, at the Howland Wolf. Uh, the Preservation Brass Band is at Preservation Hall. DBA has Stanton Moore and Friends. And actually on Sunday morning, starting early at 9 a.m., uh, Andrew Duhan has Breakfast, which is his annual uh, breakfast show with yoga and lots of musicians. Uh, that he does annually at various places, and it's an all-day show, and that's one of those shows happening at the Broadside. And there's programming at Cafe Negril and DBA. Again, if you go to NOLA by NOLA, NOLAXNOLA.com, it takes you right to NewOrleans.com and to the landing page, and day by day you can see every show that's happening, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing. It is, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's, it's really, it's really great. Now, let, let me get, uh, let me do a little bit of geography. So you are living in New Orleans or you live here part-time or how does that work? I moved here in 1999 for radio. Uh, I was on a commercial radio station, 106.7 The End, doing alternative rock. And I was a program director. 
Um, fast forward, I ended up producing, working, you know, producing Voodoo, uh, you know, from 2007 to 2017, uh, living here in New Orleans. In 2017, Activision Blizzard recruited me to launch uh, an esports, a global esports league uh, that had franchises in 20 cities around the world. It had never been done before. We went from an idea to selling out venues like Barclays Center in New York and Wells Fargo in uh, Philadelphia. Did shows in uh, Sydney, Australia, Bangkok, Paris, literally everywhere, Seoul. Um, and it was amazing. And with the pandemic, things changed. And I, my family stayed in New Orleans while I worked and traveled, uh, but I, had, I was living in California and always coming back to New Orleans. And then um, I came back during the pandemic and I started my own company, SIGFest Events, and uh, working with some great clients, producing music festivals, working on esports events, uh, working with a beloved uh, you know, a company here that started here in New Orleans called Dear World, uh, which does the photos with people's messages on their hands and is so incredible. Hmm. And then uh, divine intervention at the airport. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, I, I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're a citizen of New Orleans. Are you a native or did you come from somewhere else? No, I'm only native in my heart. I, uh, I came from, I grew up outside of Washington, D.C. in Bethesda, Maryland. I worked at a freeform radio station in Annapolis in the mid-90s. And all the uh, DJs there were, were big fans of New Orleans. They had, they had told me a lot and taught me a lot about New Orleans music. And I dove in headfirst. Uh, my wife and I made a plan to come to Jazz Fest for the first time because people had told us about it. And um, are you one of those people that came here and then sent for your stuff to be sent, and 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 because you never left? Because I've heard well, it, it, stories I've heard like that. It's actually it's that, but different. I had plans to come to Jazz Fest, and uh, while we were in our you know planning mode of that, uh, I got a call. And I interviewed for and was offered a job to come and be the afternoon guy on 106.7 The End. And when we were talking, they were like, well, when can you start? I said, well, it's kind of funny. I'm coming to Jazz Fest. I can start, you know, that Monday after the second weekend of Jazz Fest. They said, great. And I did. Now, I, the, the lesson I learned, I what start, I said. start on Tuesday. Do not start on Monday. That was that was not uh, a decision because uh, I was. We were sleepwalking. I was sleepwalking, but it was, what an amazing, and we never, we never went back. I mean, I literally moved here during Jazz Fest and like so many other people, uh, it, it, so, you know, we were going to move here for a year and uh, we're still here and I'm glad we are. Uh, I know that story. Uh, I came here in 1972 working for uh, McGovern campaign. Um, my husband, now husband, then um, partner was working on a bridge. Um, he's an artist, but he does planning things. And um, so we figured we'd finish the bridge. Well, that was 10 years. In the meantime, the, our, our feet grew roots in the ground and that was the end of it. So yeah. we, we've been here ever since. I went back and worked in New York a lot during the 90s for, that's when I worked for Dinkins and um, and worked on Lower Manhattan, but uh, my heart has never left here, let's just say. I have so, a feeling um, the back of your car has had some incredible bumper stickers on it 
of, uh, of, some, of some really incredible leaders, some who made it to the next levels and some who did not, but I bet there's a great history there. Uh, uh, symbolically, I'm not a yeah, no. Carol in particular, but yes, exactly. Uh, that's that's very true. Well, the, uh, um, the local I, writer I, I, Michael Tisseran is a bumper sticker guy, and I have a feeling symbolically your bumper stickers are very the same. Uh, you could say that. You definitely could say that. Well, I really look forward to uh, talking with you more. Um, uh, I'm going to um, uh, pretty much uh, close us off um, and, and just say um, welcome to New Orleans, um, NOLA by NOLA. Um, big things are going to happen with that. Um, thank you, Sid, for SIG, for um, making this happen. And, um, um, and I just think it's going to be a ball this weekend. Y'all get out there. Um, I think you should organize an army of pedicabs to meet folks at these locations. <laughs> That's just yeah. Because one of the people who work for me uh, works for me does pedicabbing on the side, and um, I couldn't help but think of that. But um, I, I look forward to uh, your shows this weekend. I might just get myself out for one of them. Well, I, I hope you do. Uh, an all nighter every weekend, or not so much. But um, uh, I still love the 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 culture of our city and what we're doing. Um, thank you. Uh, and everybody check out online for um, NOLA by NOLA to see what's going on this weekend and enjoy it. All thank right. you for having me. Um, now we're gonna talk about greening our city. You might think we're green. We are in many parts of the city, but a lot of areas uh, are not so green, especially the areas that have less resources to put into taking care of the trees and growing trees. Um, so a group called Soul with the leadership of Susanna Burley um, are out there planting literally thousands of trees. And you can help either by volunteering or by attending a fabulous kind of um, equinox slash Halloween outdoor party they are having on October 29th. Um, Susanna Burley is here with us to tell you all about it. I am with Susanna Burley, who is doing something very important for all of us, and um, we need to be extremely grateful, and I'm also um, happy to maybe participate in a celebratory event that would be helpful. So she cares about our trees in this city, and she is involved with an organization called Soul that is really attempting to um, help us replace what we're losing from some of these increasingly damaging storms that we're experiencing largely because of climate change. Um, Susanna, tell me first of all um, how you are doing this. How does this work? How, how do you bring back trees in the city of New Orleans? How does your organization do that? Well, uh, there's a myriad of ways that we do this, but um... First of all, when determining where we're going to plant, we are trying to more and more use GIS technology, so geographical information systems. And I can send you an example of this. We purchased a layer of the tree canopy across the city last spring, and it shows that our tree canopy is a mere 15 to 20% coverage of the city. Wow, that's so much less than I thought. <clears throat> yes, that's what everybody says. So cities like Atlanta, Nashville, et cetera, they have a 50% canopy, 5-0. 
we have 15 to 20 percent. That's so amazing to me. I think of New Orleans as such a green city, and I think of Atlanta as interstates and, and, and roads. Yeah, no. Wow, what a that's just astounding. Go ahead. So you think about it, and people are like, what about St. Charles? What about Esplanade? Well, those are two streets in our city, and trees are barometers of wealth here in New Orleans and all over the world. And so you've got the areas with concentrated wealth that have the trees and the areas with concentrated poverty don't have trees. Um, I can send you some images. You look at Uptown, it's full of trees. You look at Desire, there are no trees. Um, Yeah, so we wanna use GIS to determine hotspots. So areas that have concentrated poverty, they've subsided the most, they're the hottest and they flood the most. And that's where we wanna start planting because the areas where people have less income, the last thing you're gonna do is buy a tree and spend money on your water bill to water the tree. And you're not the person who can afford an arborist to come take care of your tree every couple of years. So that's where we wanna plant first. Um, and so that's one approach that we're using. We also plant trees as systems so that trees can perform as green infrastructure. We don't plant trees just because they're pretty and scatter them here and there. Um, one tree, let's, the bald cypress, for example, is our state tree and it can absorb up to 880 gallons of stormwater per day when it's raining. Give me that number again. 880 gallons of stormwater per day when it's raining. So let's say you plant that one tree in a neighborhood that doesn't have any trees and in a neighborhood that floods. That tree is not going to change how your neighborhood responds to a rain event. But if you plant the entire neighborhood with water loving trees, you can really impact how that community responds to a storm event. And we know that we're below sea level now. We're 50% below sea level. A hundred years, yeah. A hundred years ago, we were entirely above sea level, even if just by a foot. Now we're 50% below. So our pumping system, which is antiquated, has to pump the water up and out of the city. So it's always overtaxed when we have a major rain event. And so what we're doing by planting trees as green infrastructure is we're alleviating pressure on the drainage system. You know, we can't, trees cannot totally stop flooding but they can help take pressure off of the drainage system so that the drainage system can better do its job. So um, when we plant, and I'll send you an image of this, we are now planting contiguous blocks. And so we work with communities, we'll sit down with them, whether it's the neighborhood association or a faith-based group or who, you know, whoever's the primary community liaison in the neighborhood we sit down with them and we roll out maps and we say like here are your hot spots of flooding and heat etc 
And then we ask for their anecdotal evidence, which is just as important as data. And we say, where do you wanna start planting trees? And then we'll plant a grid of trees. Sometimes we may only have funding for 100 or 200 trees. So we'll say, you know, we have funding for 200 trees. Where do you want to see those first 200? And then we'll plant all the east-west streets, all the north-south streets in a chunk. And so then that area is fully outfitted with the infrastructure of trees. And then as we get more funding, we can move on to the next chunk of the neighborhood. Um, and then the way that we approach the property owners and the tenants is we snail mail a letter. This is after Parks and Parkways has approved the planting. We send them planting plans. Um, <clears throat> we snail mail a letter to the property owner who may or may not live there. They might have tenants. And then we also door hanger each house. And so uh, people can opt out if they don't want the trees. So it's a much more equitable approach than what we used to do, which was training block captains to knock on doors. Because when you do, when you use that approach, you don't get a lot of people to sign permits because they're opting in. They may not be home, they may be exhausted, you know, they may just not have time for it. Um, but this way, everybody at least gets the opportunity to have a tree. If they don't want it, it's no problem. And the other thing that we, the other approach we use, and this is for two reasons, um, equity is part of our, environmental equity is part of our mission. Um, and we really want every tree that we plant to survive. We don't just plant to say we've planted X number of trees. We really wanna see everyone survive. Um, is we water the trees that we plant now. So, I was going to ask you, yeah, because that's a, a big issue is, you know, once you put the tree in, that's one thing, but uh, maintaining it and keeping it alive is a whole other thing. Yeah. yeah. The first year in the ground is that really critical establishment period. And especially if we're planting in low income areas, people may be like, absolutely not. I am not watering a tree. I cannot afford even $5 more on my water bill. And maybe they can't afford a hose. So, um, so we are, we get funding when we get funding to plant trees. We also get funding to water for one year. We have an amazing contractor called McFaith Landscape and they water all of our new trees for their first year and they keep a close eye on them and help stake and all that good stuff. So that allows us to plant in neighborhoods where we previously couldn't because what if there's, you know, what if it's, what if it's too challenging financially for the person to water? This solves that problem. And also the other issue is what if we're planting on a vacant lot? We've, the, own, the owner is happy to have a tree there, but they're not there to water it. So this takes care of that issue, which in the past has been a big issue for us. A prime example is Lower Ninth Ward. Um, so I think I've covered our approach. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. I'm really glad I asked that question because that wasn't the obvious place to start, but uh, I was just really curious about it because I've heard of tree planting initiatives and I've, I've wondered, you know, the decision-making process and, um, the acquisition of the trees, the maintenance, the whole thing that you just covered. I was always very curious about how that works. So, so that's a lot of work. It's a lot uh, of work. 
<laughs> and you you are uh, essentially a, a nonprofit, I take it. We're a nonprofit. We have four staff people. So very, very tiny staff. Um, I can tell you tinier. <laughs> Pardon? So I can tell you tinier, but anyway, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> well, considering we plant 1,500 trees a year. Uh-huh. And we are engaging the city and the public in a comprehensive reforestation plan. Uh, we're, we're pretty tiny. So this plan, um, I mentioned that we purchased a GIS layer. So the city asked us to buy this layer. And um, we said, yes, if you'll participate in a process to create essentially a tree planting master plan. So they said, yes. And so we are fully funding and executing this process and we will write the plan on our own dime. Oh, that's amazing. Wait, yeah. so they're participating in the master plan and saying, okay, you can do it. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. Okay. Yes. Right. So, but it's all right. You know, it's like most- Got Park and Parkways, basically that you're interfacing with or- well, the mayor's office signed the MOU with us. Mm -hmm. um, and so, because, you know, we really needed the, the very top of the city to give their blessing on this process, because ultimately they're the ones who will decide if they'll adopt this as the city's master plan. Mm -hmm. And so we engaged through several meetings, all the relevant city departments who interface with trees. So parks and parkways, of course, NORD, um, Sewage and Water Board, and so on and so on. Um, in meetings to decide, hey, what do we what do we want our city to look like? And then how, what are some ideas for getting there? And then our next step is we're gonna engage the public in November in a process, a public outreach process about the same thing. What do they, how do they want to see their city reforested? Where should we start? How should we go about it? So we're really excited. And then these, both of these sets of meetings will inform the plan that we'll write. Um, and we also have advisory committee meetings that meet every week. So that's really exciting. And uh, we are working very closely with Parks and Parkways. They have a fantastic new director. Michael Karam. I don't know if you've met him yet, but he, what is he? he's the new director of Parks and Parkways. Hold on to one second. Can you put the recording on pause? I've got a little emergency with this work on the back of the street. One second. Sure. Uh, take us off pause. Okay. Looks like we're recording again. Thank you. So I was talking about Michael Karam. So Mike Karam is the new director of Parks and Parkways, and he is fantastic. He is um, a young innovator, and he's an environmentalist. And before he worked there, when I was at Parks and Park, when I was at Parkway Partners, he planted lots of trees with us, and mm -hmm. you know, actually like digging and putting them in the ground. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so he's great. So our city is very lucky to have him. It's, it's a different show over there now. Um, so he's a, so they're a huge partner in this process. Um, and yeah. 
let, let me ask you, um, what what is your what is your goal? What uh, uh, you know, you're planting hundreds of trees at a time, as you can, I assume, um, get a hold of them one way or another. I'm I'm sure you have to put some. Uh, money in that, but or maybe also you're getting some donated. But however you get your trees, um, what what's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish in terms of? Um, I, I know you 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 spoke of you know we're we're only at fifteen percent, and and a place like Atlanta of all places, I would never have thought of it. You know, is is more than fifty percent? Is that were, the, were those the numbers? I I don't I, yeah yeah. So so uh, tell me tell me where you're trying to get. Our goal is to strategically reforest our city so that we're resilient to climate change and to all the storms that happen here. And our goal is to equitably distribute these trees so that everybody in the city, not just the people with money, have access to trees and their benefits. Perfect. Um, all right, now you have, um, I presume, uh, a lot of volunteers that you work with, is that right? That's right. So if somebody wants to uh, get involved with you, how would they do that? Uh, how would they contact you? And, and what are the kinds of uh, work that you have available that people can, can be doing for you? So you know, who, who should call you and say, I wanna help? Uh, adults, preferably. Uh, 18 and up is our preference because we have sharp, you know, we have pickaxes and shovels. Um, high schoolers sometimes do come out. Jesuit has been an amazing exception to the, the rule of, of teenagers who are on their phones. They work really hard. We like it when teenagers come out because they want to be there, not because they're doing it for class credit. <clears throat> um, but anybody can come out whether you're strong or not. Um, if you can't wield a shovel, there are still other things you can do. So you can drive, if you have a pickup truck, you can be one of the pickup truck drivers. We'll keep you busy all day delivering trees and going back and forth and getting supplies. Or if you don't have a truck and you're not able-bodied, we can have you mapping trees. We map our trees as we plant them and that's how we generate the that's how we determine the impact that our trees make on stormwater runoff and air quality so you could do that or you could be um, the person who sweeps the sidewalk after the trees go in the ground so there's something for everybody um, and of course we always welcome anybody to come out and help plant if you feel like you can do it it's there if you use the right tools it's you know, you can you can get them in the ground. You don't have to be a, have superhero strength. So there's there's something really for everybody. Fantastic. So and so they can call you, email. How does that work? How do they make contact uh, with? There, if if you're a group, well, maybe I could send you the information. And can you flash it up on the screen? Uh, not while we're doing it, but I can do that. Um, I can put it in the newsletter. Okay, I can send you all the links. So there's a person who works, Rachel Conway, she works with our community volunteers, Melody Arcia. Hold on one second, I'm sorry. Um, we're going to have to pause again and start again. What? Y'all are very cute. No, 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 I don't view it that way at all, I have to tell you. Anyway, go ahead. Let's, um...
Okay. Um, so if you want to volunteer, there's several ways to sign up. So you can go to our website, which is soulnola.org slash volunteer dash sign dash up. That's soulnola.org slash volunteer dash sign dash up. Or if you are a community volunteer, you could also contact Rachel Conway, 504-233-4639. And her email is rconway at soulnola.org. If you are a group, like a corporate group or a school group or whatnot, you can contact Melody Arcia. Her number is 504 233-0345 and her email is m-a-r-c-i-a at solnola.org and um so we work with groups like the domain companies is a corporate group that's coming out soon and we design we can design weekday planting specifically for groups, you know, colleges, um, corporations, church groups, whatnot. Um, there is a sponsorship fee for de designing an event specifically for you, or you're always welcome to come out on a Saturday and join one of the community plantings. And they are a lot of fun, I gotta tell you. A lot of people <laughs> who come out, they, come out once and then they just keep coming back because you meet wonderful people the volunteers become friends with one another it's and you it's empowering because you really see your impact you know you'll you're going to drive by the trees you've passed for the rest of your life the trees are going to be here a lot longer than us so it's really fun to see the trees grow i wrote in my uh letter that will be in my newsletter that comes out um either tonight or first thing in the morning um, that ever since the Katrina and I witnessed um, the chainsaw massacre of our trees on Esplanade, um, I live on Esplanade, uh, um, I, I look at them every day and try to judge their health, which of course I cannot do. But um, especially with Ida, when we had a blanket of little teeny twigs and leaves all over the, the uh, street and sidewalk and, uh, and, and the garden everywhere. Um, I knew that wasn't a good thing for the tree that it lost so much of um, its most recent growth. So um, watching the trees, tree watching is definitely yeah. watching a, a something that uh, you become captured by and you continue to do. Well, let's talk about your, uh, another way that folks can help is by um, having fun at a, at a party at a wonderful event. It sounds like great fun coming up. So um, give us the skinny on your Trequinox tailgate. The fall, the fall Trequinox fundraiser. And this, this is such a fun event and it's so funny this year because it just shows how we adapt so well in New Orleans and really now how the world is so adaptive. So first, this was, it's to celebrate the equinox, the fall tree equinox fundraiser, but, um, and that was slated for September. And then because of, I, and, and because of COVID, we made it an outdoor thing also. So we called it, uh, a um, tailgate, a very fancy cocktail tailgate. But then Ida pushed it 
And so now it's a cocktail party, tailgate, Halloween party. So just wear a costume, wear a cocktail dress, wear jeans. It doesn't matter. Just come and have a great time. Um, the tickets are only $50 and the value of the party is so much more than that. And it's such a fun event. We have a raw oyster bar. We have live music, live jazz. We have a silent auction, a live auction. And it's a tremendous amount of fun. It's kind of the anti-cocktail party because it's, it's not stuffy. People love how fun and loose it is. Um, but we have amazing food and drink and of course, amazing company. And it all helps us to raise critical funding for our operations, which is traditionally very hard to fund through grants. I know, yeah. Um, it's a great, it sounds like a really fun event, I have to say. And um, I, I love that uh, you can wear just about anything, including, of course, Halloween costumes. And I know a lot of people will because we're a costuming city. Yes. And it's October 29th? October 29th. And if you go to our website, it's soulnola.org slash trequinox, T-R-E-E-Q-U-I-N-O-X. And um, you can buy the regular tickets or you can buy the patron tickets at $100 and um, get an amazing gift bag. And uh, also, it's never too late to sponsor. So if anybody wants to sponsor, give me a ring. So your number for the ring? 504-535-5116. Well, I, um, again, I'm, I am uh, just blown away really by the kind of effort it takes to do what you're doing and the importance of it and the fact that you're doing it. Um, are there, there are other tree planting organizations in the city or is yours the, the key one? So in other I words- would, I would say we're the key one. help from other organizations. Sorry, what was the last thing you said? So, so in other words, are, is there any, are you getting help in a sense in the bigger picture in terms of the reforestation that you're speaking of uh, from other uh, groups or is, is yours pretty much the one? I mean, I've been hearing about tree planting for so long and I just wonder if that's always been you or if there are other organizations doing it as well. Parks and Parkways, or sorry, Parkway Partners, where I used to work, unfortunately they're no longer around, but they kind of kicked off tree planting in the city Monique Pellier started Hike for Katrina after Katrina that turned into NOLA Tree Project. They primarily do tree giveaways and they also um, have pivoted to do disaster recovery. So they're obviously busy a lot with that and they do an amazing job. Um, some other groups have like one-off tree plantings here and there and it is gonna take a lot to get to where we need to be. If we're gonna get to a you know, whatever the, the number is going to be, I don't, I don't think 50% is realistic, but um, whatever the canopy coverage is going to be, it's going to be an all hands on deck effort. So I hope that by creating this uh, master plan, it'll give everybody some insight into strategy about how to do this. And of course, parks and parkways is, um, I really hope the city is going to start giving them more funding to plant more trees because some years they don't have any tree planting funding. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, 
let, again, let me let me understand. I'm trying to get my arms around the, the big picture in the long term. So you don't feel like you can do 50 percent. What what is the average for cities, let's say um, mid uh, sized cities and up? I'm assuming that the smaller towns, um, well, it, it, it's probably various, but maybe uh, some smaller cities are more in rural environments and they have more trees. But uh, it, give me some kind of gauge as to other cities and how they are doing and how we compare. Uh, we're really, really behind. I mean, this we should have been strategically replanning our city right after Katrina um, because we lost 100,000 trees. So the master plan has set the goal of 50% canopy coverage by 2030. Uh, it's been made pretty clear in our these private and public meetings that that's not going to happen because the GIS data shows us that to get to 50%, we'll have to plant every baseball field, every football field in the city. So basically, there's just not enough space. So um, what we hope to determine throughout this process is what is the realistic canopy coverage we can get to and how we can get there. But that takes, you know, that takes hiring a GIS expert and all of this takes money essentially uh, to figure out where we need to be. But, but we're gonna get there, we're gonna figure it out. And this, the process that's happening right now is really amazing. It, it just shows that everybody wants to see a reforested city. We just all have to figure out um, a, a way to get there. You know, that's it's gonna take changing some of the city systems, some of the breaking down some of the silos at the city so that the departments are empowered to work together. Nobody doesn't want to work together. It's just the structure is is uh, can sometimes prevent that. So everybody's really excited, and you know our city can do anything. I just want our urban forest to be as important to the locals and the tourists as the food and music is, because we really need it if if we're going to be resilient to the climate change that is is right here. So I think that um, you know trees actually really as much as much as we talk about how important food and music are um we uh I, i'm involved in, in in my nonprofit is a cultural um creative economy of new Orleans. so we're, we're trying to work on uh improving that and so i can tell you that music i love your nonprofit. oh thank you but our our our, our music our, our music and our musicians do not get the support they even need because yeah. there's a tendency in new Orleans. i think we take for granted um some of the things that are most important to us our food and music and and our trees and mm -hmm. i think these are important to everybody but i just think they just think that well they're just gonna be there and be okay mm -hmm. and that's exactly just like right. the musicians Exactly. So um, let's do one more time on the information for your Trequinox event, because that's certainly an easy way. Everybody can jump in, have some fun, um, help, maybe help you buy that GIS guy that you need or woman. Um, and woman, uh, sure. yeah. And um, uh, uh, so let's just repeat it uh, for folks and um, we'll check out on that. And um, I, I'm going to try to get there. Good. A soulnola.org slash trequinox. T-R-E-E-Q-U-I-N-O-X. Okay. 
and it's uh, October 29th, so I presume that they six can to ten. Uh, uh, continue to buy six to ten at night. And you oh, and proof of vaccination is required. Thank so you. we're calling this the safest party in town and the only party in town. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and um, I think that um, uh, let's see, people can um, purchase the tickets uh, pretty much right up to party time, or even come to the event and pay at the event. Oh, sure. Yes. So you can buy them online at that link up until midnight the night before. And then after that, you can buy them at the door. And at the door, let's just say it's 1433 North Rampart Street. What are the cross streets? Uh, Approximately. Uh, I think Where, it's Curlerac. It I think Curlerac is the cross street. Curlerac. Curlerac. Yeah. Uh, it's this funky Mason's Lodge that the Masons are kind enough to rent to us. It's a really cool building. It's, it's funny, you don't notice it. It's this very whitewashed building. It's set back from the street and it has no trees. <laughs> they won't let us, plant. we wanna plant trees, they won't let us. Oh. So um, it's a cool building. So it'll be, there'll be an inside room for people who wanna go in there, but it's mostly an outdoor party. Mm -hmm. um, and it's gonna be so much fun. 1433 North Rampart. So either buy it ahead of time at solnola.org, Trequinox, or head to the event on the 29th of October, uh, 6 to 10 at night. And um, you can uh, do your tickets at the door. I hope yeah, and parking is very limited. So take an Uber or a Lyft. It's street parking. Thanks for that suggestion. I usually ask about parking. So you covered that too. Um, I'm in great admiration of what you're doing, Susanna, and uh, my buddy, Sharon, who uh, uh, put me on to you. Um, you know, when she tells me somebody is great, then I know that they are, um, because she doesn't fool around with her judgments about people. I love her. Um, I look forward to uh, meeting you in person. Um, so you. good luck. I hope it's great. And keep up with the tree planting and, and keep me um, for, informed going forward of, of developments. If you have a major time when you're going to bring everybody together to do a big tree planting event. Okay. Uh, well, this Saturday is going to be big. We'll, we'll put it in our newsletter. Thank you. All right. Good luck. So later. And um, tree quinox. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Good stuff, right? Music green. That's a large part of what's important to us and wonderful about the city of New Orleans. I hope you have a great Friday. Um, hit the clubs this weekend. Go check it out. Um, this festival is something that's going to be with us for some time, I hope. And uh, you're getting out there will help. So get out there and enjoy it. This is Jean Nathan for Crosstown Conversations on WBOK. What people are talking about. I know we can make it. I know that we can.